my truths of what I've experienced, which is gets very dark really fast. You know, I wrote something a few years back that, you know, having your hands keep warm by people's blood, you know, something remarkable to always remember. And, you know, having those conversations other than with other than veterans, it's really hard to not just compartmentalize life, but have those appointments, have those conversations and then walk out of the room with any kind of, uh, I should say, clear head, you know, put you right back in the fog. Right. And just, just so, to clarify your keep hand, your hands warm with other people's blood. You were a Navy corpsman. So you saw a lot of trauma during well, your yeah. time. At- well, the, here's the funnier part is when, you know, people talk about what, who you were with, what, you know, they want numbers. Oh, I was with three, five. I was with two, seven. I was with one, eight, you know, whatever the fuck I was with weapons company. I was with tanks, you know, the community really much, uh, we we calculate people's worth by who you were with, not necessarily in truth, but in the bro code, right? And and it's funny. And as soon as I tell people, no, I wasn't attached to anything like that. I was attached, if you want to say, I was CLB, and uh, I was in a shock trauma platoon. And then when they say that, when I usually say that, people go fuck. All right, you guys hear it all the time. The typical, if you like this episode, please rate us subscribe to us, leave a comment on iTunes or Spotify, wherever. Well, it really does make a difference for this podcast. We're small, we're trying to get bigger and all of this feeds the algorithm so that iTunes or Spotify or Pandora, wherever you find us at, will rate us higher and higher with the more likes and comments that you guys leave. And always, if you guys find value in these episodes, please, Leave us a comment on the episode or on the show uh, page. And the best way to help us is to share it off. So again, thank you. And we will talk to you soon. On this episode, I bring back Joey Martinez to catch up. Joey was a Navy hospital corpsman and our first guest on this show. We go down some crazy rabbit holes and boy, they were fun. Joey is also the host of the Devil Doc Talk Show. So sit back and enjoy this episode of After the Battle Campfire. all right we're live ish do you use the zoom directly yeah yep zoom is the best way to so far i need to find something better because i didn't realize zoom only records the video on 720 oh so it's not even it's like barely hd anyways we're back again with our first guest coming back not the first guest to come back but our very first guest for the show was Joey Martinez. If you want his whole military background and all the crazy shit that he did while he was in the Navy, go check out episode one. Joey, welcome back. What up, player, player? Not much. You're looking good, man. You're looking good. Thank it's, you, bro. I think the last time uh, you were on the show was back in late September, and shit has changed for sure. Just a bit, right? Ooh, uh, yeah, things changed. Life changes, you know, times change, seasons change. Uh, so how have you been holding up through this whole last six months? Well, I mean, last six months have been pretty good. Um, honestly, I mean, with all things considered, uh, still going back and forth with the VA shit. Uh, you know, that's that's the main, I should say, stressor of life. But uh, yeah, I mean, honestly, I don't have too much complaint. Not much has changed with, you know, the whole dealing with the conditions right 
you know, putting things in compartments and struggling to keep things where they need to be. You know, I think that never changes, but, um, you know, I mean, my kids are doing great. They're getting fucking tall as fuck. Uh, my wife's doing good. You know, she's healthy and beautiful, radiant, radiant. Um, other than that, man, you know, it's just the only thing looming is this. I'm trying to get a hearing date out of the Wounded Warrior Project people and getting our my benefits secured instead of having to do all this rigmarole stuff. You know, it's just honestly, most people don't even know what the fuck I'm talking about. But uh, that's OK. That's just what's been happening. You know, you asked. I did. <laughs> so, I mean, to, to other veterans who are listening to this, do you mind saying what's going on? No, just I don't in, mind in general. In general, no, not at all. So, what happened was I was rated at 100% uh, in 2014 for PTSD, and then accumulatively an additional 90% for all my other conditions as well. And if you don't know anything about, and this is your first time listening about, you know, ratings and all that shit. Um, VA doesn't make much sense about how they do things and they're not very apparent or I should say transparent about how they go about things or even people's expectations of care and continuity of care or benefits. And there's two different organizations, blah, blah, blah. You already know the trick. The current issue is that in 2014, I was rated as such, right? And they had a comp and pension review in 2019 and they declared that I'm actually more like a certain rating, but due to inconsistent data, I have to be rated this way, right? Which is just the VA's saying a way of saying that we're going to continue reviewing you until you get better, or at least we say you're getting better regardless. And that's essentially what happened uh, on 420, actually. So I had my comp and pen. It was a great day. Great day, you know. Um, comp and pen review on the, I didn't know what the apartment was for. I just got a call like a, a week before, no, a few days before that Friday. So it would have been like Friday, Saturday, Sunday, Monday. We had just to get an understanding of what's happening. And the day of uh, the senior director of the Wounded Warrior Projects Benefits Department, or whatever they call themselves, uh, sent me an email the day of saying, hey, you got an appointment this morning. I'm like, okay, just go to it. Let me know if you haven't gone to it already. You know, let me know what's up. I'm like, okay. So I get the appointment at two o'clock and it's one of those, you know, video ones like this. And the lady is like super thorough. You know, she reviewed my last two CMP exams and uh, nothing else, but not even according to her was anything beyond 2019 back. So it's only the last review back. But so she didn't even know why I was being reviewed. Me and her spent like five, 10 minutes trying to figure out what the fuck we were doing and why. And then I discussed, you know, the symptoms and everything. She was like, yeah, you're fucked up still, bro. Like, she was very, <laughs> very, <laughs> she was actually very empath uh, empathetic or empathic, or I should say, caring about the circumstance, because I very much divulged my truths of what I experienced, which is gets very dark really fast. You know, I wrote something a few years back that, you know, having your hands keep warm by people's blood, you know, it's something remarkable to always remember. And, you know, having those conversations other than with other than veterans, it's really hard to not just compartmentalize life, but have those appointments, have those conversations and then walk out of the room with any kind of, uh, I should say, clear head, you know, put you right back in the fog. Right. And just just so, to clarify, your keep hand, your hands warm with other people's blood. You were a Navy corpsman, so you saw a lot of trauma during well, your yeah. time at 
Well, the, here's the funnier part is when, you know, people talk about what, who you're with, what, you know, they want numbers. Oh, I was with 3.5, I was with 2.7, I was with 1.8, you know, whatever the fuck. I was with weapons company, I was with tanks, you know. The community really much, uh, we, we calculate people's worth by who you were with, not necessarily in truth, but in the bro code, right? And, and it's funny. And as soon as I tell people, no, I wasn't attached to anything like that. I was attached, if you want to say, I was CLB. And uh, I was in a shock trauma platoon. And then when they say that, when I usually say that, people go, fuck. Like, yeah. that's all you do is see people fucked up. And, you know, that's that's literally the job. Like, I had a lot of field corpsmen. And I love, you know, teaching and learning from them, um, having conversations. They come in and, you know, just nip at the ear, like trying to improve their skills on this, or trying to improve their skills on that at the STP. So we had a lot of conversations about trauma, direct trauma, because that's usually your main focus when you're in the field is here's guy, you know, here dude A, right? And dude A was bounding from this cover to this concealment, this concealment to that cover. And in between took a round right through the stomach, out his back, right? Well, you need to know how to fucking do your job, okay? And the job is stop the bleeding, start the breathing, pack them and move them, yeah. you know, or move them and then do all that process. You set up your casualty collection points, you do all this fucking covering, whatever else you need to set up for security. You set in your nine line and then your nine line comes up from dust off. Usually some of us would get to ride in the helicopter sometimes if they're really, you know, they need that. But usually it's just for transport of the next uh, echelon of care. Um, so it was very, very much so focused on trauma, but the whole encompassing spectrum of your, uh, area of operation, meaning not just your troops, not just your Marines and not just the, uh, military personnel, I should say, or even contracted police groups that we were training, et cetera, but you get the civilian populace as well as the terrorist populace, or I should say insurance insurgent populace, which are human beings. Okay, so keep it in the spectrum of human life is human life, right? So we saw everything from those groups, those demographics, from injuries, you know, ranging from, you know, rolled ankles, pneumonias, uh, blast injuries, uh, gunshot wounds, stabbings, you name it. And so the blood, my saying from that comes from a very vivid memory of when we were treating philosophically an individual that has this spectrum of belief in Islam and, uh, you know, Allah. And he's developed and determined to create uh, an impedance of the United States forces, right? Let's just say that. I don't know why. <laughs> I'm trying to try to keep it PC and not trying to be like, a dick, you know, condemning just, somebody. But you've so never been this PC. Guy, I know, but I'm, I'm trying to adjust to the times because when you say something like, you know, this muzzy fuck or, you know, Terry the Taliban or people want to equate that to a perspective of either racism or dismissive uh, approach to their ideology. And I'm like, no, he's just an asshole that tried to blow us up. I honestly couldn't give a fuck because he ended up killing himself uh, in the long run. Right. So homie blew off his leg and we had to render care and all these different particulates from uh, or particles from the from the explosive, you know, went in and out of his body and we're, we're treating them in the STP and, you know, we're act, we're actively in the guy, you know, like working things, you know, tourniquets, uh, doing, trying to get an inner osteus or even a central line in and just working the guy, putting chest tubes, 
uh, recirculator, you know, breaking down the whole surgical process as well as trying to stabilize. And it gets down to the point where, you know, all the blood is just everywhere. And then we had to start pumping units. We had to activate the walking blood bank um, for this guy, you know, because I guess he was a value. Somebody determined that, you know, beyond me, you know, he's a value. So you go ahead and do all your invasive medical needs because we need that guy. And I'm like, okay, whatever guy. I'm just here fucking like a plumber stopping a leak. Okay. <clears throat> but it was that experience that I really uh, sat back and took a, a, a better perspective of what we were doing, or I should say, as I was doing as an individual in life, like, why am I wasting my efforts on this guy? Like, honestly, I go back and forth with the morality of it, you know, but at the same token, I'm, I see it as we're wasting 25 units of blood on this piece of shit when tomorrow one of our guys can get hit and when now we can't use those blood the the walking blood guys you know because they're either o positive or o negative you know the usual ones or if we have a blood type specific like a b oh my god you know trying to find somebody on base that matches your specific blood typing to where you're not gonna fucking die within the hours that we need to just move you to our echelon you know we did a lot of just wet wet nasty work like you're spending hours after like that one wasn't a mass casualty but there's blood just all over the floor and you're spending hours you know um cleaning up the coagulated blood looks like just just if you ever gone hunting you know what i'm talking about oh yeah you yeah, know what yeah. i mean it's just it's just a messy substance to work with and get clean off of tarp you know what i mean yeah it's tarp kind of like a jello substance yeah, it's, it's, it is, because they make blood sausage out of it. I'm, no, not the humans. You know what I'm saying? You know what I'm trying to say? Wait, wait. You know so you make human blood sausage after you get done with a combatant? No, only if we ritualistic sacrifice them the way we should, you know, according to... Oh, okay. okay. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, exactly. No, so. but yeah, so that's the quick of that blood thing, I guess. Yeah, we went down a weird rabbit hole. But well, I mean... I, I, in all fairness, I like going down rabbit holes. Yeah, you yeah. Know? And, and actually, I'm going to say this, and this again, PC or not, we would never have Alice in Wilbraham. You know? Yeah, exactly. Never, we would never have that. Wilbraham land. But PC or not, um, there was an, I wouldn't even say an unwritten rule, because no one ever explained it to me. But when I was in Fallujah, we come back from patrol, and we get the walking blood bank thing, and you would hear if it was a soldier, sailor, airman, or Marine, uh, you would hear over the loudspeaker, we have, uh, we need A positive, B positive for some sailors or some Marines that were hit. If it was an insurgent, it would just be, we need some A positive or B positive for patients. And yeah. you could see the difference in the people who showed up. There was a very, very quiet, unwritten statement that if you didn't hear contractor civilian or a service member needed blood it would be maybe one-tenth the line that you would see if um it was announced the other way it got so bad because of how many times we needed blood for those guys you know where we were at we were actively actively capturing and keeping or hosting on on the base we were at is was like a, a jail or a prison or processing whatever you want to call it so it was a lot. We, we weren't even allowed to discuss what was going on in the literal other room. You know, like here, it was not big. It's not a hospital. It's a wooden shack <laughs> covered in tarp. Like, think 
think absolute adaptive, you know, ingenuity here. And yeah, you're right. I mean, as soon as people found out what was going down or for who it was, they walk right out. Yeah. I mean, like I said, it, it does become more of a personal choice versus morality issue, et cetera. But, you know, honestly, I, the way I was trained was classic Cormanship, which is a new word I'm going to use. I'm sponsoring right now, Cormanship, um, where your uh, your guys, that's, that's it. If my patients are my guys and I know I have X amount of resources, I'm not wasting shit on anything. Because my goal isn't to save everybody. It's to save these guys from whatever it is we're doing and get them home. And in the same breath, you know, uh, as a humanitarian type perspective, you can't neglect anybody. I mean, legally, you can't either because of the whole Geneva conventions and shit. But there's a lot of murky waters, honestly. Like, Oh, yeah. Two of the oh, most yeah. seriously injured patients I, I treated weren't my guys. They were civilians. One of which was a insurgent for sure because he had battery acid burns on his hands, but they wouldn't let us take him in. Yeah, so no. Treated him on the spot and sent him on his way. No. Yeah, the, the groups that we were around, they were a little bit more available to do things. And this was earlier in the war in 06. So... I know shit changed. Shit, shit definitely changed down the road, but it was more or less like everybody's fighting for information at the time. So they would capture, collect like tons of dudes. Like I worked on the trucks or with the guys when they would come in, we would do the medical evaluation for their detainees, right? You'd get truckloads, like a seven ton of just dudes in it you know, blindfolded, bagged, zip tied up, you know, fucking whatever. And, you know, everybody's wobbling off the truck. People fall, shit happens. But it was like, hey, it was a completely different aspect when we do that. But when it's a civilian and you know, hey, this person absolutely innocent as fuck, right? She's only like a little eight-year-old and her dad's a piece of shit, right? Talking to people he shouldn't be, et cetera, et cetera. And, you know, those are the ones that really affected me to the point where I broke down in 2010, I couldn't adjust. My, my coping habits were the worst options. It was alcohol. You know I mean? Like everybody turned to it. That's, that was my thing. I tried to drink down the emotions, but uh, no matter how much I drank, the, the emotions just sat, you know, the, the processing just sat. And honestly, I was too young to be able to cognitively process the experience of war. I think humans, humans' brains aren't designed to process war uh, at all. You know, it's a little bit dissonance and cognitive like friction there. But when you're younger, you don't even have the necessary development or frontal cortex development to actually rationalize your actions and take certain things. And after years and years and years of therapy, I learned that that cognitive skill, which is uh, processing, right, is extremely important because you want to validate your actions and you also want to validate that with your, your values and your morals, set of principles, and the, the code of ethics that we set or standard, right? Being in the military, most people have, I'm not saying all of them, but very much most, right, because the military sets a standard of quality of person, uh, development of, of self, 
right? You got your uniform, you take care of yourself. You have things that look the, the external, but we also have the internal uh, philosophy. You know, the Marine Corps is the best cult to join because you will be conditioned. Okay. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. <laughs> and, and that's the, that's the demeanor you have to have in order to accomplish tasks. And you got to utilize the values to incentivize action. I get that. Right. Um, but personally, it was the lack of effort to stop uh, civilians from getting hurt, like little babies and shit. Like seeing a little boy just shot up like Swiss cheese, it'll change a human being for the rest of your life. I don't care who you are, how tough you think you are. Like I, I know good, good guys, you know, we, we'll sit there and we'll talk about it because we have that bond and relationship. But it's very difficult to have that conversation with a civilian doctor that doesn't see veterans or doesn't see people regularly. So it's very difficult to be like, yeah, you know, I saw this, that, and the third. Or, you know, it's a lot easier to have a few beers and talk to that guy that served in Vietnam or those guys that served out in Africa. And, you know, they tell you different shit. It's just different shit. Like, you just, you're blown away by their trauma. They're blown away by yours. Everybody's just having a trauma party. And you're like, fuck, are we really that fucked up? I mean, I don't know. I, I know my sense of humor is darker for fuck sure oh, yeah. than ever oh, before. Yeah. But at the same token, it's like cognitively, what does this do? What's the toll that it takes on a person's being or soul or essence, whatever you want to call it? Um, it got to the point, you know, in 2010, I was just drinking myself to death. And, you know, that was my decision was to get help. And it didn't work out, you know, the way it's supposed to. Still doesn't clearly because I'm going back and forth with people and, doing all this different stuff. But the coolest part of it all is that I'm learning that if you individually quit, you already proved that everything that happened wasn't just because it was because they wanted it to happen to you. If that makes sense, it's like, let me rephrase that. If I'm driving down the road and I miss a left turn, I could turn around and pull the U-turn, right? There's no options when you're going through this rigmarole of the VA to articulate, advocate, or even um, validate your your experience and your injuries or your truths of your conditions and how they affect you without it being a, a very sensitive legal case where you're like, hey, I don't know how to, you know, I said I'm always fucked up, I'm drinking, and, you know, I'm super depressed. Well, did you say you're always depressed? Because those are their key words. They don't give a fuck if you think oh, yeah. super. You know, it, it's speaking their language that I learned that really is the key to having an effective uh, benefits package as well as treatment and care plan. Which, well, like I used to tell, whole, developing. like I used to tell a whole bunch of people getting out of the service when you go see the VA, because you get those guys who are super hardcore who have four or five herniated discs but they're not going to say shit until they're in deep pain. And it's like, and then they wonder why they get nothing for their VA rating. When you actually have to understand it's discomfort, not pain that they want you to say. So it's like, at what point on your flexation or your extension, when they bend you over or push you back, is it discomforting, not painful. And it changes the way they look at your rating, not saying to anyone to go out there and bullshit your Oh, it's just comfortable here so you can get a higher rating. But at the same note, there's so many people out there who deserve higher ratings. That don't know how to speak the language. Yeah. And they don't, they're not going to give you the cheat guide. They're not going to give you the cheat codes. 
You know, I was watching that. It's funny that you bring this up on YouTube. I've been able to find a lot of resources that do exactly that. They break it down like, hey, and you, you can see it either way you want it. That, you know, Joe Schmuckatelli that never deployed, served four years. Now he's 100% permanent total. In contrast, it creates a, a division within those service members. Like we were talking about the numbers. Like, oh, you were 1-7, you were 3-8, you were 3-5, 2-5, 6-7, 9-8, 1-1-1-1. I don't fucking know. Right. And then you get into the other specialized groups of things. And I'm like, yeah, you know, we validate our worth based upon some of those aspects. We also project worth based off of those aspects. But every individual has a right. Right. Just like in workman's compensation for state employees in California, you have a right to be just as you were when you came into the workspace. Right. If something occurred between those time spans and this is the way it occurred. You're, you're legally obligated to go through this process. In fact, human resources would be flipping dick because, I mean, honestly, if, if, if you were to walk down one office in the military, any which one, and you'd find the group of guys that are tough, right, sit down and have an actual heart-to-heart -heart talk about their health, their well-being, complete and total, a lot of them will lie simply because they don't want to lose their job. Well, like in the last Marine Corps command I worked for, um, those guys did stuff that most Marines would never do, which required a naval special warfare physical or AKA yeah. airborne dive physical. And God forbid, especially for the active duty guys, what uh, jump pays 250 extra a month, dive pays, I think around the same. You, they start talking to you too much, especially to corpsmen then say something to the doc the doc pulls their jump shit or their dive quals and guess what they're out 500 bucks a month so there's yeah. also a financial incentive for them not to say anything right on top of those are the guys who want to get behind the trigger they want to kick the doors in you know those that's are the guys, only out yeah that's that, the only that's what they know you know what i mean and if they lose those quals they may miss a deployment and i don't blame them i mean there were many a times i've I know people that I probably should have had their ups chip pulled. I probably should have had their dive calls pulled, but these guys were doing the best work that they could have done. Yeah. And is it right? No. I, and what I mean by, is it right? Is it right to affect their livelihood because they want to go see someone? That was the other thing. You get a guy who's running a TSSCI and he starts going out and seeing the the fucking wizard, whether it's in town or out of town, and doesn't report it to the sec officer, the security officer. That can play that they can pull that TSSCI real quick. Now I, yeah, I think but they've even changed if you it. do the right thing, even if they change shit, but they don't change how they apply what they do. Okay, exactly. So I mean, you can still go and you can still get checked out, and it's still in you know, it's the discussion you get at the the command you know safety stand down right you should you have to but it's like but yeah. you better fucking wink, wink. not yeah, yeah. <laughs> wink wink not done shaking your head left and right as you're saying yes yeah make sure down. you get checked make sure you ask whatever you need to ask make sure and then the head's just no yeah. You have, I've had a lot of conversations with dudes like that. I mean, I even had dudes that got their caps blown out in actual, you know, when we were in Iraq and when we were treating them in the STP, they're not 
too injured to get pushed on or pushed out. And the command's like, well, if you want to get better and stay here, we, we will dig that, you know, but you got to say I'm better. So your LOD is going to be shifted towards this. And even if you got your leg fucking shot, like a big ass grapefruit come through it and you spend two to three weeks and four or five weeks or a month or two months, you know, recuperating in the command or the base, uh, your entire life from that point forward is going to be different. Okay. I promise you, uh, you can't sustain a loss of tissue period and be as functional as you were. And it should not be assumed that that's what you have to do in order to cape your rate or MOS or job title position, et cetera. But that's, that's incentivized and based off of lies. Like we have, we are going to want you to lie. Um, that's the military. I hate to you know call people out, but lying is the key because if you are in a certain area but you're calling home every day and they're asking you how you're doing you're not going to go oh well we just saw you know x y and z and oh my goodness over here off this road and that road oh my goodness right yeah and you're, and so you're not going to say fine. yeah you're not going to say i feel like i should go swallow some lead right now because it's been a bad week because bobby and sally got blown up either you're, you're going to lie no matter what you're not going to tell exactly. how shitty your day's going and that's that's the the thing that I really want to focus on. Because you asked me, you know, at the beginning, I got a little nervous saying, "Oh, it's good," you know. And then I'm like, "Oh, I don't know if it's good. I don't, I don't know." And it puts you in this cognitive dissonance of you're not allowed to be fucked up, and you're also not allowed to be all right. And I'm like, okay, so what the fuck am I supposed to be? Right? Am I supposed to be Joey, where I smile and treat people with etiquette, kindness, because that's who I am as a human being? Or do I have to play this victim uh, role and 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 look at people in the eye and be like, because they don't understand that I could look them in the face and go, yes, holding a baby as they're bleeding out and then shoving tubes in and out of them, it fucked me up. And you're, and they'll be like, wow, that's bad. But you weren't crying. Your face wasn't cringing. I, you know, I don't know. I don't know. And it's just a completely dismissive approach to medicine. And I think it's, extremely bad in the world right now towards medicine like we don't look at individuality at all anymore in 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 medicine i would love to say that we do but i think the pandemic has proven that it's societal normatives and standards that are set by x and x is either proliferated enough to where the mass wants to go with the flow because of fear of not being accepted or fear of not being along with the group or it could also be fear of actually dying because of whatever it is. There's a, a lot of different groups in that conversation, right? But if we look at it simply that we won't discuss things with our patients because of, then we're not actually practicing good medicine, right? If, if like I said, you know, just a moment ago, if I looked at that guy that was bleeding out, you know, oh, you're just a fucking terrorist, you piece of shit, motherfucker, which is how I felt at the time. Right. And even partially now, um, as a human being, I would never treat that individual as I've been treated in this system we call medicine in the VA and also in the Navy. I would never treat them that way because I know for a fact if I was that disregarded and that abused and that neglected by all definitions of the medical terms and legal terms, then I would be going to jail and getting butt fucked for the rest of my life. You know, I don't 
I don't want to do that. You know, you're, like you're kind of a big guy. I don't think you, I think you may be giving the butt fucking. I, whichever direction I don't want to give. And I don't want to take that. All right. You know, that's, that's my life, my life choice, my body, my choice. Right. And I go, but the, <laughs> the, <laughs> the <laughs> I, I don't think you have choices in prison. No, you, you don't. And that's honestly where we're at in the medical field is it's a constructed consent of you have to shut the fuck up or else. Well, you know, we're going to uh, get we're, we're going to get shit just for us talking the way we are, because unfortunately, we don't have MD or ND, which doesn't really count or PhD behind our names. We're ignorant, dumb fucks who are just lay people who are talking even though yeah. between the two of us, we probably have what thirty years of medical experience. Yeah, I mean you more so because you know you look at your hands himself. But for me, it was like I love the fact that people are so ignorant of how things actually function. That when we finally saw the pandemic happening, the mass—not we, but we as a people, humans—right, don't understand the process of viral takeover or pandemic um we don't understand the process of emergency medicine as a people we don't even understand what the fuck an immunization is or what the processes are to keep that thing from being a potentially harmful thing right and having the conversation like you said without a blanket title like phd i could have a phd in fucking economics okay and i'm talking about immunizations people while well, he's a doctor and I'm like, no, Bill Gates isn't a doctor. He isn't shit. Medically, he's not a, he's us, worse than us. He doesn't have work experience, right? But his word has value because of the position he's in and the influence his money can buy. Right. So unless you and I become something that of which society is deemed worthy of attention, like a celebrity or a politician or a, a businessman that's extremely wealthy, and I mean extremely fucking wealthy, because we don't really listen to Elon Musk. We kind of listen to Elon Musk. If Elon Musk was actually very open about the process of getting people to Mars, nobody would want to fucking go because there's just too much involved. It's like making a car sale. Uh, I'm making a car sale, right? I'm not going to tell you that I got a slight fender bender and it scuffed it, but I polished it out with clay and there's literally nothing you can see. You're only going to focus on that for the rest of our conversation. And you're going to want to minimize your effective cost on purchasing that car due to that fact. Well, as a salesman, I'm going to go ahead and lie to you and say, nothing's happened in this car. If Carfax is clean, guess what? It's clean. All right. Like, I mean, we utilize these validating fixtures in society that of which are manipulative and in nature, constantly shifting, right? So the CDC guidelines just recently are going, hey, no masks for vaccinated people. Okay. And now the biggest stressor for everybody on the planet is, well, how are we going to validate whether or not they're vaccinated or not? Well, if you're a conspiracy theorist, here's your time to shine because you get to articulate, well, that was the plan the whole time. Well, honestly, we don't have the technology. The government's not that effective. And there is no organization that's that well-oiled to maintain a fucking blanket Skynet of three, no, I'm sorry, 354 to 360 million people in the United States alone, let alone 7 billion entities existing on this fucking planet. So maybe, you know, Elon Musk's little Skylink is going to help that out, but it's still not going to be 100% effective. We can't even find the kid that went missing like two days ago in certain places which is fucked up, but hey, guess what? People are thinking 5G's in their arm, and I'm like, 
No, but that's going to sway from anything that people want to have the conversation of validity. You know, like I, I use this, this example and I'm loving the, the circle that we're going on. If we want people to have vaccination passports, right? You have to validate that they have access to those passports, uh, access to those immunizations and can willfully participate, right? So you oh, have to have those three things. What, so as Corman, there were many times that we were told uh, we need to have 100% influenza uh, vaccinations. Yeah, the shot and, X, right? Yep. And if someone refused, they got a page 13, which was basically a bad adverse write-up saying that they refused, which in theory could go to a non-judicial punishment if, if the CEO wanted to be a dick. Yeah, they could always get you with article, what is it, 32 or some dumb shit? 90, yeah. Yeah, yeah. The failure. Well, that would be a failure to follow a legal order or some shit like that. Yeah. So we had a little bit of a um, incentive to make sure that everyone got their shots. And the shot receiver, the person getting the flu shot, had an incentive not to get a page 13 or a page 11 in the case of Marines. Right. In fear of punitive action, they comply, which is... right. Because technically illegal, like on on your eval, you got a page thirteen for failure to follow a direct order. You're out of the running for E five, E six, E seven. Now, do you think we're going to get to a point to where there's going to be that little carrot and stick? Not necessarily mandatory, but carrot and stick. Yeah, that's actually the literal words that. one of the CDC persons spoke of on CNN live. Like, I mean, they were like, we can't let people think that they can go about living their life without doing what we told them. We got to put the carrot in front of them. You know, I was like, bro, do you fucking hear yourself? Like, I'm not against immunizations. I'm not against anything. Like, honestly, I'm very, very, very open to everything. But when you're utilizing people's ignorance to create this, it's manifesting consent or creating consent. There's this book on it. And everybody says it's a communist manifesto, blah, 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 blah. I don't care. If you're not reading both sides of the table, I honestly don't think that you know enough to be able to have a conversation well enough to go, that's what X is or Y is. But hey, that's just me. You know, I'm just a lonesome idiot. But to me, when you start incentivizing through force, right? Let's put it this way. You can't get your uh, degree. You can't walk the line unless you're vaccinated and you have proof. Here's, Here's what I was trying to get to with those three things of, resource availability and willfulness right well if you don't have or i'm sorry if you do have something looming over you that we can utilize am i leveraging you for your consent because that carrot is what you want and technically i can't legally do that because it's coercion it's uh, larceny it's strong arm robbery you know whatever you want to call it it's the mafia right the mafia did this to the little storekeepers and that's why the government got involved right no so when you force people to do something, that of which is not scientifically proven or even by the actual guidelines that CDC themselves and all inspecting uh, uh, agencies. So it's just not the CDC. People go, oh, the CDC said, well, the who said that? Well, who said this? And the who said that? And the CDC says this. I'm like, do you understand that there's individual entities that review what they do in order to come to these conclusions? Those individuals have not been available or granted the inspective rights that they usually would with this specific immunization. 
we changed the entire book, the entire policy, and even the way we talk about immunizations for this one specific thing. I am not a conspiracy theorist, but when I'm set up to take an L, I'm looking all around me like, nah, this ain't my fucking L, bro. I'm sorry. Like, you can go fuck yourself for 10, 15 years, come back to me and say, here's the data. And then I might, might willfully participate. But again, it's my individual right to not have to do anything, right? I can't tell you, hey, your kid's fucking fat. Now he's mandated to lose weight, right? Because that would help a lot more than a vaccination would at this point in time in the United States. Telling fat fucking kids like myself, kind of chunky, hey, you need to lose fucking weight. Stop putting food in your fucking mouth. Run a little bit. Oh, well, you know, you're not my dad. Even if they are their dad. Right now, society is so fucking crooked and wicked. I say wicked because it's fucking retarded. I'm not allowed to say retarded anymore, even though I'm semi quarter retard. Yeah, three generations. Um, <laughs> you can't say that. You can't say, hey, you fat fucking dude, go walk, go run, go do this. If you're the dad and you say, hey, I'm not going to let you have Nintendo unless you run a mile today. People would be calling so, like all the social services in the world. I'm like, God, that's abuse. But yet, we don't have that safety net towards certain things like mandated masks or immunizations. Like, I agree with it, right? We should think of everybody's health and safety. But I'm not obligated to give a fuck at all. So I'm not going to. Your kid could be running down the road. As much as I wish that that kid wasn't running down the road, I'm legally obligated to not give a fuck because if I touch that kid wrong or hurt him, I'm liable. Okay. And I don't want to be liable. Okay. I'm, this is an exaggeration of value versus ethic. Like the gentleman that jumped over the bridge into the water to save that infant just a few months or last month or last week. I don't fucking know. We would look at that as heroism, right? But there's going to be somebody that looks at that like, well, you know, and you don't know how people are going to take shit. So to me, I go, hey, as much as I want to care, I'm not allowed to give a fuck. As much as I want to say what I want to say, nobody gives a fuck. And without a blanket fucking title like PhD, nobody's going to listen. So you might as well have those conversations with your dog or your hand that looks like Chiquita. Hello. Right? And just fucking chill out. Because to me, it's like people are talking about passports. Okay. We have passports. It's called, you know, fucking passport. Or, you know, you need an ID. Well, we got IDs. They're called driver's licenses. Well, we need something to make sure people aren't lying about getting a vaccination. I'm like, okay. So let's take that same logic, okay? Exact same logic. And have the argument of availability, access, and uh, willfulness, right, to participate. If we were to take the same idea that we want people to walk around with papers that prove that they've been immunized, right, in order to work, in order to get education, in order to receive health care or any kind of benefit, whatever it is that X is, right? Then what are we saying? Okay. Now, keeping in mind that we're not allowed to say we want people to have voter ID. And I'm like, okay, why? Well, because it's, you're discriminating. You're marginalizing this entire demographic of the Black, Hispanic, Pan-Asian and Asian communities that don't have access to identification processes or the know-with-all to be able to do that. And I'm like, okay, then why do you have that same thought that they could possibly get this immunization passport? Because last time I checked, people are so fucking stupid 
they can't get an ID to prove that they're who they are in order to do anything. Let's just play this game, right? Vote. But you can't get a credit card with an ID. You can't rent a car with ID. You can't do this without ID. You can't buy beer with an ID. You can't do this without ID. You can't go to a club, blah, 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 blah. The rigmarole is there, right? So if the logic is then, well, we need to add another thingy, which is immunization passport. We're already going to, we already seen frauds, fakes, fake IDs, fake passports, fake immunization cards. And I go, okay, so then what is it that we actually want? Because if it's immunization, there should be trucks through every community just driving around like we do blood banking and like we do fucking CT scans for, you know, under serviced areas like rural areas and underserviced communities like the black communities, the Hispanic communities and the Pan-Asian Asian communities, all of that, right? Why aren't we doing that if our goal is to protect and serve and help people? Well, because it's not. It's to have them initiate and begin with this process of identification and proof. Beyond that, the argument is, well, because people will lie, people will cheat, people will steal, people will kill. And I'm like, yeah, that's called humans. That's, that's what, we what do. they do. Yeah. <laughs> right on cue, bro. Yep. Right? And I go, okay. So then if you want to say, hey, human, if you graduate, you're not allowed to get your degree until you prove you've had an immunization. Is the immunization the goal or is it to limit some person's or people's actions of life? in order to participate in freedom, which is construed as a selfish thing. And I go, no, being free is the most unselfish thing. Just like how people praise women like Lizzo who walks around naked and I love it. She's thick and black and gorgeous, right? But if we want her to be free and prove like, hey, being fat is beautiful, we have to change the dynamic of paradigm or paradigm of influence and what we do as a society. And that's a very valid argument, because if you look at just small demographics, small data representations, people argue, oh, there's so many blacks being killed by police. How does this have anything to do with immunization records, Joey? Well, what if I can pull you over and demand that you show me you've been immunized? And if you don't have your card, I can detain you, just like I can detain you for not having your identification card as you're walking around, minding yourself, walking while black right? We hear it all the time. If the Black community is not as enraged as this issue with immunization papers that they are with identification cards to vote or to receive benefits or just to walk down the street, there should be an absolute repulsion of this because of the current dynamic of society. We don't want cops talking to people. We don't want cops doing stop and frisks. I agree because that's fucking dumb. You're asking for an issue. Why? Because when you Put yourself out there, regardless of what you want to believe. If you're sitting there and everybody on the block knows where you're at, they don't want you to be there. We've already seen it happen. Your ass gets shot right through the fucking window. Well, why don't we have bulletproof glass for fucking cops? It leads down an absolute trail of what I would like to say, leadership flaws. That's it. All the issues in our life, all the American issues, all the European issues, all the African issues, it's a policy who writes policies. These people, and like Joe Biden says, we are the people, the government. And that's what people believe that are in the government. They design their lives and their agendas and their activities around getting things accomplished that they believe they know better than the people they're supposedly serving. So, so let me ask you this. Yo. 
most people will say that you don't wear a mask for yourself. You wear it for people around you. You don't get immunized for yourself. It doesn't matter how healthy you are, but you still need to get immunized because you could still spread it to others. Mm -hmm. So where in your opinion, well, where in your opinion, do, do your freedoms start hurting other people when it comes to an infectious disease? Mm. Well, okay. There isn't anything that should impede upon that period, regardless of people's agendas, plans, policies, mandates, or whatever, the actual Supreme Court, right? You know, even though they are nothing but a group of people talking, okay, it has no proof to the value of what the entirety of our constitution is. It's a piece of parchment at the end of the day that had the conversation that these are your God-given individual rights. Now, if you don't believe in a God, let me let me tell you this, that's perfectly fine. But a supreme and absolute thing, a power beyond all government, beyond all planets, beyond all things, physical, non-physical, these is this is yours. That's yours. Okay. And we don't put enough value in that. So people don't understand how rich they are in freedom. Okay. And me and you have seen it in the opposite end, you know. Uh, in Iraq, I promise you this, you fuck up a little bit during ISIS's reign, you're going to get a drill through your head or a fucking fuck to death by a goat or some horrible shit. They're going to put you in a cage and drown you. And the, the, we've all seen it. You know what I mean? Like the way ISIS did what they did, they were throwing gays off of rooftops just because just they didn't want the gays anymore. Right. And I'm like, bruh, I don't understand how people don't correlate force, right, through policy to action and removal of policy to remove issue, right? So to keep it simple, I don't believe anybody has any limit to their freedom, period, even if it is hurting me, okay? Because they are free to attempt to hurt me. And I'll love them for that choice as I'm dropping their fucking body in the dirt, okay? That's how we play games. That's the absolute functionality of your rights to live and be free. You take it, I take you. You attempt to, I take you. And if I fail in taking you, you ain't going to do it again because you're missing parts. Okay, homie? Like, it's got to be that ferocious, ferocious mentality of don't try it or else, right? And that's the reason why I believe politicians are so fearful of the humans that they're serving, okay? Because put it in this point, when Cheney, that lady lost her position in, I don't know which group, what are they called? The Republicans. I don't know why I had a blank. Okay, she wasn't serving the way the party and the group of people, even though I don't agree with party politics, okay? And she was still apprehensive and contentious to the entirety of the quote-unquote party. She's supposed to be leading because she wants it her way, okay? Do you think for one moment that if she thought any one of those group of people could ruin her career like that, get rid of her like that, that she would have any of those beliefs or potentialities of agenda or trying to influence X as Y or Z when it's actually supposed to be A or B? The same thing, like, I love uh, Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez. Love her, okay? She's one of those absolutes that poignate naivety and willfulness, when you have those two things, you can be utilized. 
And at the same time, that utilization could be for your benefit or it could be for your downfall. Case in point, 19-year-old dude joins the military, gets his benefit of you know two grand for signing bonus, goes, gets deployed to Iraq or Afghanistan or anywhere we get deployed as a military service. And he's told to do X, Y, and Z. Those are orders. He does them, comes home, finds out, well, you're the one that did it. You're fucked. Or you're the one that did it. and We're getting decorated. There's always that proof in society, right? War is actually a young man's game. So the older people that you see around you, trust me, they're going to utilize you for their benefit, period. In the military now, more so than anywhere on the planet or corporations. I'm not grooming the next leader. I'm sucking the youth from this piece of shit that I can throw away. It's a very vampiric type of existence nowadays, but it's a beautiful one because you can say at any point in time, I'm not playing your game. And if they try to make you play with it, cool. Hey, I got a new game. It's called putting your dick in the dirt. You want to play that? And most than likely, people go, no, <laughs> you're right. I don't want to play that. Like, honestly, one of the worst things I've done as a human being was scare people into knowing or believing I will physically fucking harm you. It doesn't mean I'm a brute. It doesn't mean that I'm a mean guy. But let's put two and two together. If you're going to say that I'm playing this game and you're going to limit me on my actions of this, but you're right in front of me right now, buddy, it behooves me that you don't walk away. Okay? And this happens day in and day out on the earth. It could be a cop saving his own life. It could be a, a young lady about to be raped, you know, and she just pops, pop, pop, pop. No more problems. Okay? There's no conversation. There's no stress. You don't have to shit or piss your pants, honey, to avoid being raped. You can shoot that guy. I promise you. And nine out of 10 times, people will praise you for taking that action. Regardless of where you stand on guns, regardless of where you stand on rape, regardless of where you stand on human existence. Some people will say, no, I'd much rather be raped. Have you been raped? No. So you're talking out of your ass. Okay. <laughs> Let's be honest. That, okay? That's a legit point. Right. And it's the same conversation that people want the respect of within black communities. If you're not within the black community, shut your fucking mouth. Okay. Then when you have more problems, you know, Hey, I'm going to just shut the fuck up. Cause you told me to, or if it's the uh, Hispanic community, Hispanic or Latin, Latinx, Latinos, whatever you fucking want to identify as, or even Asian communities, you don't want to step into the mud without getting a little dirty yourself first, because people won't view you as that partner, right? Or ally in this fight of social injustices, right? And that's pretty much the predicament of humanity right now. I can't identify you, so I need to put my earmuffs on, put my blinders on, and you're nasty. Well, what has that done to society thus far? It's dulling down movies, it's dumbed down fucking society, it's dumbed down television. There is no contention uh, amongst politicians because everybody's trying to get along because we want trillions of dollars and trillions of that. But yet, Flint, Michigan's water is still not drinkable. So, I mean, come on. Katrina's still fucked up. Like, when Katrina happened and all that New Orleans area fucking went to shit, they didn't give a fuck about the people. They were like, hey, we need to round up guns in case people start fucking getting crazy. And I'm like, wait a minute. Why is that the first thought you had? I mean, it seems like it's been on your mind. You know, it's like, <laughs> A Freudian slip. So, so to put control. some of this in context, because again, we're, we live in a society where people want pedigrees, 
MD, PhD. You have a little bit of insight on government, uh, more than the average bear, because you're you're yeah. doing some you're doing some volunteers or well voluntary stuff in yeah. your county. Yes. And yeah, does that so, ha- does that have this level of politics? Yeah. I mean, on the on the you can't not see it once you get involved at the smallest sliver of anything. Go to your town council, go to your local committee, go to your advisory boards, go to your special districts, talk with these people. Okay. Like in San Diego, um, there was a vote for the the five districts or four districts that San Diego breaks down into um, at the supervisory level, right. Uh, to allow unincorporated areas to create manifests, grow, uh, cannabis, right. Uh, with THC in it, just in case anybody's like, well, there's no fucking real weed. Okay. Real weed. Why not? <laughs> the conversation was brought forth by, uh, Mil- um, Fletcher. He's, he's the district, I think three, I'm not too sure, but he was a prior service guy. He was in the Marine Corps intelligence. And he's a smart guy, okay? He is a Democrat. Uh, I do agree with a lot of what he says. And then you have Jim Desmond, who's a Republican, right? He's in my district. And he's the guy I need to go to in order to get anything done in our specials district, which is a headache. But at the vast majority of this, it's just people, okay? They're both people. They both have ideas. And they need to discuss things. There shouldn't be an outright no answer, right? Well, here's my takeaway from it. We're doing an, it's called a, a, a looky-loo. I call it a looky-loo. They're looking into the potential of these unincorporated areas wanting cannabis in their area. What that means is the groups that participate regularly on these groups and the people that are within these groups are going to have almost 90% of the say-so in everything that goes on and how it's perceived when it's reached their desk. And if you put that much trust in, let's say, our local planning committee is 15 or 14 people, now, I don't know, and 14 individuals that you know nothing about, about how you are going to be allowed to X, Y, and Z or not, let me ask you, why are you not participating? Or why aren't you talking to these people? And are these people giving you enough access and availability, okay, and willfulness and participation to give you an actual visual of what it is that's coming into your town. And if they're not, they're pieces of shit, okay? I just can't help it, they are pieces of shit. If they want, hey, we're gonna mandate this vaccine that has not gone through this type of rigorous uh, investigation and data, but we're gonna mandate it so you have to get it in order to work, uh, get food, participate in education, et cetera, right? Well, how in the fuck can we not look at cannabis in the same manner and just, you know, change our mandates? You know, it's been around for fucking ever since the beginning. And the proof and data, we can accumulate it from this past year because cannabis sales skyrocketed. <laughs> Don't know if you know that. Okay. So did alcohol. Mm, I right? wonder why. <laughs> we were isolated. Right. And I go, okay, we can do these things. It's that people choose not to or not to continue that same logic over because they're not looking at the gestalt of what society is, right? And I love that German word, gestalt, okay? The incorporation of the larger picture of all cumulative subparts equaling the actuality of what the thing is. Like on a cellular level, let's put the human, one human body, right? We talk about blood, right? And one blood cell is like, fuck, 
fuck white T cells. I fucking hate white T cells. I'm blood, blood for days, red, red, right? Whatever you want to say, okay? A red croup, red, red, right? And then, and then, and then here's this white cell, and they're like, ah, fuck you, white cell. Oh no, what happens to the body? Okay, we have problems. Okay, we have physical dissonance with our organs. We have failure, and you die. Okay, you fucking die. All right, when your white cells hate you, and you, or they go away, it's called AIDS or HIV, and you fucking die. I mean, you can get some of this new drug called Bictardi, change your life. I don't know. I don't know what the fuck it is. Okay. But the truth of the matter is, if you have dissonance on a cellular level, it could fuck the entire body up, right? Let's put it this way. My grandpa loves this joke. The mouth, the nose, and the eyes were having a conversation, okay? The mouth said, I'm the most important piece of this body, right? The eyes go, no, no, no. I'm the most important piece of this body. The nose goes... I am the most important piece of this body because noses are arrogant, I guess. I don't know. And what happens next is the asshole goes, no, I am. And they go, ha, whatever. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Watch, I'm not going to eat. And this guy is going to be forced to eat, says the mouth. I'm not going to smell. So I'm just going to stop smelling. The guy's going to want to smell, says the nose. And the eyes go, well, I'm just not going to see. And the guy's in the see. Well, guess what? They all did that. And the guy didn't give a fuck. So they were like, okay. But when the asshole shut up and shut itself down, everybody started fucking hating life. And when the asshole let that shit go, finally, the body returned to fucking homeostasis, right? And that's the pri privilege of understanding anatomy and physiology. Because if one part fails, and just, just like we go back in full circle, if you get shot here and I tickle your toes, that's great. But my shoulder got shot, bud. I don't know what you're fucking doing down there. Can you stop that from bleeding? Sure. Um, let me go ahead and cut off your foot first the fuck are you doing kid right it makes logical sense to see a problem because this is how humans are if we see we act very visually even though communication is only about i don't know i think 20 percent verbal so that is visuals like 40 50 percent and implied tone is another 20 or 50 percent i don't fucking that's a lot of percent points i think we're at like 150 percent i don't know right by the end of the day we need to understand what it is we're trying to accomplish if you're trying to grow a tomato, don't plant cantaloupe. All right, bud? That's as dumbed down as I can fucking get it. Yeah. Um, wow, we've just gone down some serious rabbit holes, and I love it. I like rabbits. So do I. Tricks are for kids. Tasty. Wait, wrong tricks. Um, and yeah, I don't think those tricks are actually for kids. And it looks like you froze. Okay, so we lost Joey here for a second. Hopefully he'll hop back on and get unfrozen. That is such a creepy picture of him. But what he was getting at is we are living in weird times right now. And when weird times go through weird rabbit holes, hold on one second, trying to figure out what's going on with him. Joey, you still there? Okay. So it looks like we lost Joey still. Um, Going to give him a couple seconds to reconnect. But I kind of agree with him on a lot of what he's saying about systems and things getting played against each other, especially now. And it looks like we lost him, lost him, because now I'm full screen. But we are going to have a hard time coming out of this, I think. So if I don't see Joey come back on in the next few seconds, we're going to end this podcast. 
And just so you guys can remember, Joey was a hospital corpsman back, uh, I think he got out in like 2013. He was a lab tech. Yeah, this is me trying to hold on to the end of this podcast. Anyways, he is also the host of the Devil Doc Talk Show on iTunes and Spotify. So if you guys want to follow him there, he does a lot with uh, veterans cannabis, talks about growing, talks about becoming more involved in your local community. But on that note, you guys, we're going to end it here and we will talk more this next week. And we got a few guests coming up that I think you'll be interested in. And I hope you enjoyed this rabbit hole. So you guys take care and we will talk again soon.